Eshu Otan Kuponek, and welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. That, by the way, is Hungarian for after the rain comes the raincoat, meaning a solution <laughs> or advice is too late. Uh, it's also rain theme, which is like this race. So there you go. Daniel Dwyer, how are you? I'm great. I love these. I'm, I'm sorry. I was just writing it down in my idiom book. I, I'm trying uh-huh. to log all these just in case I end up being in Hungary because I am hungry to go to the Hungarian next time. It always provides good entertainment. It was a uh, we got a lot to talk about, lads. We certainly do. Let's get right to it. I'm Drew Scanlon. Joining us, Rob Zachney. How are you, Rob? Oh, excited to get into this one uh, again. Maybe race of the year. Maybe. Ooh. Ooh. Perhaps. Uh, if you are new to this podcast, great time to join. Uh, and if you're new to Formula One itself, we recommend listening to our preseason primer episode, uh, which assumes no prior F1 knowledge and explains how the sport works and who everybody is. So if you want to understand everything that we're about to talk about here, <laughs> you can go back and listen to episode 137. Uh, also, this show is supported entirely by our audience over at patreon.com slash shift F1, where every month we release bonus podcasts and videos exclusively for our patrons. Uh, that cover racing documentaries and films, F1 video games, uh, experiments with other racing series, and a lot of weird things. So if you'd like to support the show and get access to all of that fun stuff, head over to patreon.com slash shift F1 or click the link in the show notes. Uh, what's been going on this month, Danny? Uh, this month we are going to be recording a podcast on Speed Racer, uh, the most realistic <sighs> so excited. motorsports movie ever made, <laughs> added <laughs> to the library of... Uh, film reviews we have done on the patreon feed Uh, also we're going to do something a little bit different we've never done this before but for the first time ever we are going to put one of the patreon podcasts on the public feed um this is for two reasons one to uh i guess highlight the work we do over on that feed and give folks a little taste of of what they can expect of course if they signed up they get access to not just like the next podcast they also get access to all of the podcasts we've done for the past couple of years on that feed um so we're going to do that um the uh, podcast we are doing for this is our most recent patron exclusive podcast which was a 101 let's call it on the w series um the reason why we're doing that as well is because quite frankly the w series is worth watching there's a bunch of races that have happened along the same time as the f1 season um and we think it's a good excuse to put something up during the season break to uh uh, get people something maybe something they can catch up on and watch while the uh, f1 is taking a little bit of a break so massive Thanks to all of our patrons for supporting our work and letting us do all that sort of stuff. Um, we're sure they won't mind if we if we squeeze out just one little droplet from the patron-exclusive back catalogue um, so people can go check that out and, and hear about an awesome race series. Uh, and of course, thank you to all of our incredible title sponsors, Jason Kelly, Will Romf, Umberto Roca, Troy Stammer, Circuit Demon, Reagan, Sam G, Connor McManners. I'm wondering by this stage, do people know these off by heart? Like, could they like <laughs> sing along with me? Probably something like that. Joel Roberts, Abraham Getchell, Jason Chadwick, Abdullah Althani, Bailey Foot, BPM, which has gone for the terrific botched petroleum measurement. Spoilers. Drew Stewart, our good friend Mo. Uh, Simon Villeneuve, good old Og, David Mule, Joshua Hain, and Tractor Share. Tractor what? Share. That's a new one. Yes, it is. And 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 judging by the 
the associated email address. Not that I go doxing people, but it's right there when I look up the names. I think it's a business, and I like that. That's a good. That, that's <laughs> a good business. Given name. And yes, amazingly, it's not somebody's somebody's given name. Yeah, that would your good point. That would have been more remarkable had it not been a business, and it was Mister Share's daughter Tractor. <laughs> Well, let's get down to business with our own weird names here, starting with the grid ahead. Best one ever. Best thank you. you've ever done. Uh, the grid for the Hungarian Grand Prix um, starts off. We're, we're starting this weekend. We think it's going to be one of these processional races. I had never heard this before, but I heard it many times in the commentary. Oh, this is just this is Monaco without the walls. Uh, hard to overtake here. Very narrow circuit, blah, blah, blah. Hard to overtake, uh, but I did say last week, because of the the always-on nature of this track, weirdness tends to happen. There's some sort of... I don't know what they buried they, they underneath this track, but there's there's all it's 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 always kind of like Monaco, I guess. You can have a procession, or you can have weirdness, because they tend to... You know, there's yeah. a cascade of flags and, and stuff like that that happens. It also turns out the walls matter quite a bit. Monaco minus walls, very different track because of the yeah. walls. <laughs> yes, uh, all you need is a catalyst, but the day started off like any other. Lewis Hamilton <laughs> on top, Valtteri Bottas uh, in second position, Max Verstappen in third after Hambodvar. We're back, Hambodvar. Yep. We're there. I missed you, uh, baby. Red Bull actually had to change Max's power unit ahead of the race um, because of the crash he had in Silverstone. Oh. Um, but since the new parts are of identical specification to the old ones, he did not incur a penalty. Uh, this is, however, the third power unit for Stappen has used. So if he uses a fourth, he'll uh, get a 10-place grid penalty in a future race. So heads up for that. Uh, I think they are looking at that uh, Silverstone engine to see if they can salvage it and thus not incur that huge penalty but we shall see anyway that's the top three so starting fourth sergio perez he missed the final run in q3 uh because of this this sometimes happens the teams wait too late to put out their drivers and then this was compounded by lewis hamilton kind of backing the red bulls up and so perez didn't accelerate fast enough and get over the line to do his final run um, but he still starts fourth uh behind them pierre gasly in fifth lando norris charles leclerc esteban ocon fernando alonso and sebastian vettel uh, in 10th then we've got daniel ricardo uh lance stroll kimi raikkonen um by the way uh some pre free practice one runs were done in raikkonen's car by one robert kubitza pow, so pow, pow. everyone following kubitza along watch alive and well hashtag at home uh antonio giovanazzi starts 14th fo followed by carlos Sainz, who crashed in q2 after a gust of wind uh unsettled his car and caused him to spin off into the barriers yeah. final turn Right. Uh, the Yuki Tsunoda Mobile is starting 16th. George Russell, 17th. The first time that Russell was knocked out in Q1 this season. Um, he was pretty surprised. He said after qualifying that he had expected to be fighting in Q3, uh, but not so. Looks like business as usual for Williams, huh? Uh, behind him is his teammate, <laughs> Nicholas Latifi. Nikita Mazepin is 19th. And uh, 20th is Mick Schumacher, who did not take part in qualifying due to a crash in free practice three mm. he races at the uh, discretion of the stewards having not set a qualifying time uh, okay uh, congratulations drew on the most redundant uh 
grid breakdown we have ever had because none of this is going to matter after the first turn <laughs> it's true and I, I put a lot of you know <laughs> information here uh maybe i just should have started with the race but um before the race starts that catalyst rears its head we get some rain and normally this isn't a problem for like a rainy weekend but since it hasn't rained in a while uh and this is you know a tip for all the drivers out there if it hasn't rained in a while (laughs) and it starts that's when the road is the trickiest because all of that grease and rubber comes to the sitting on the surface and it just is like ice this Um, is the the quintessential as somebody who lived uh 300 yards from a california highway (laughs) <laughs> this is uh, <laughs> if it rains overnight having not rained in a while that's usually when i get woken up by the sound of screeching brakes the following morning oh boy okay yeah um everyone is starting on intermediate tires for this race so these are the tires that are not quite wet but not they're not dry tires either um the exception here is giovanazzi who dives into the pits just after the formation lap going to the grid because <laughs> uh, why not <laughs> why not he's in the back of the field anyway um so he's gonna start from the pit lane uh but again everything gets thrown out in the first turn danny take us through this start i want to watch i want to watch antonio giovanazzi's camera of this because uh, nikita mazabin had such a bad start i think giovanazzi technically has to wait for the last car to pass the pit exit line before he's allowed go Okay. So by the time Mazepin reached the 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 scene of the of the carnage, it was already almost over. Giovinazzi must have turned the corner and it must have just been like detritus everywhere. Um, but anyway, we get down to the first turn. Um, Hamilton gets a good way to get away. So does Verstappen. Bottas has an absolute stinker. Um, basically, almost stalls the car on on the grid or has a has a false start essentially. Um, and drops back immediately he gets gobbled up by uh, Perez uh, Lando Norris spins around the outside of him and basically entering turn one uh, you have Hamilton uh, Verstappen and Perez on the outside with Pierre Gasly holding for him outside of that um, and a, a sort of a, a right Fernando Alonso up, up the backside there trying to see what happens next um, and then on the inside you've got Lando Norris and Bottas and Bottas hits the brakes locks up way before the apex of the turn we have we have the the last one of these I remember was the Grosjean in Spa one, where Grosjean hit the back of Hamilton. You had that really scary onboard from Alonso, where they uh, spun over the top. They all crashed right there, slow left hander at the or right hander at the start of a Grand Prix. Very common in F one, but I hadn't seen a crash this far back in the grid going into a turn in a while. We they've been really clean actually the past couple of years. Bottas there anyway. was that one, I think it was it also at Spa where uh Alonso got catapulted over Charles Leclerc. Remember that? Okay. And his tire uh kissed the the halo. Yes, you're right. Yes, yes. There was, yeah, there was that one too, yeah. I'm sure I remember who started that one. Um uh, anyway, it's one of those. It's one of those ones. You can tell it's gonna be a nasty one basically right away. So Bottas hits the back of Van Norris. They are now both skidding across the road. Uh, Hamilton turns the corner, uh, manages to uh, not get hit, but uh, basically Lando Norris and sort of followed by Bottas crash into the side of Verstappen. Then Bottas follows through and hits Perez. Um, Poor Pierre Gasly minding his own business. 
around the outside. I think he notices the lockup by Bottas and the contact with Lando, and he dives down further uh, into the runoff area to basically get around it, but then has to continue doing so because all of these cars that are flying past him. So his he's basically gone from a fantastic sixth position, I think it was. was it, or was it fifth on the grid yeah. to, to being uh, last? Meanwhile, the crashes aren't over. Lando, uh, or, um, Lance Stroll has also had a bit of a wobbler, breaks, and also goes over the grass to sort of uh, 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 T-bone Charles Leclerc, basically rides up the side of his car. Daniel Ricciardo thinks he's in second place because all the cars in front of him have crashed, and just as he's exiting turn one, gets hit by Charles Leclerc twice. So now he's gone from thinking he's he's uh, he's in uh, second position to spinning around. Um, then you have uh, Esteban Alcon, who is sort of in no man's land on the grid a little bit, is suddenly the car who's in uh, first position, followed by a bunch of other cars, some of which have wings coming off, some of which are trying to get back up to speed. Uh, by the time they basically shuffle down to turn three, um, we have a safety car followed quickly by a red flag. Yes. Um, as you said, uh, Ocon and uh, and Vettel, actually, who ends up right behind him, both took their time with the start and as a result um, were back far enough to dodge the melee. So they, they really benefited. Vettel maybe <laughs> did not intentionally <laughs> to take, a, take it easy, but uh, he also had a poor start. But yes, those guys avoided... The uh, the carnage, but out of this race now are Botas, Norris, Perez, Stroll, and Leclerc. Leclerc, incidentally, his engine will need to be replaced. This will be his third, so he will dodge a penalty, but anything further in the season uh, will, yeah. just like I mentioned before, with Verstappen incur a 10-place grid penalty. Verstappen has somehow survived this melee, but his car is, I think this right barge board came off entirely. Yeah, so he, the, the red flag is good for Verstappen because they'll get to repair it and this is just like hamilton and silverstone he would not have been able to continue if not for this red flag um but yeah his the right barge board which is just behind it's all that like crazy aerodynamic stuff right behind the front tire that's coming up out of the floor and it looks nuts but it it contributes a lot to the downforce it's basically gone they actually um have to they they tape up and sand down a lot of the jagged edges of that and the floor because they don't want further damage to propagate through it. But apparently most of the focus of the repairs was on the cooling pipes in the side pod. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so, they, yeah, they didn't replace any of those aerodynamic elements. They basically just like, I think they they straightened some pipes and uh, replaced the cover of the of the side pod. There was a photo on F1's Instagram of uh, Verstappen's car after the race, and and it is very obvious that there's supposed to be a lot more car there. Uh, I'll, I'll put that in the the show notes. But um, yeah, everyone comes in to the pits uh, in this order. Hamilton, uh, having you know got away clean in the front and escaped all this, then Ocon in second, uh, Vettel in third, Signs, Sunoda, Latifi. <laughs> Alonzo, Russell, Raikkonen, Schumacher in tenth. Then Points. Gasly, having uh, yeah, Dodd having to go basically into another county to avoid all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. uh, in eleventh, Ricardo, 
Verstappen made it back in 13th, then Mazepin and Giovinazzi. So just to set up the restart here, which we get um, after not too long a delay, everybody leaves the pits on intermediate tires because the track is semi-wet, but it looks like it's drying. So the teams decide to send their drivers out for a uh, for a formation lap and just have them make the call to, to pit. They're, they're relaying information to their teams. Uh, it's important to note that during a normal formation lap, before the start of a race, it is not allowed for the pit wall to tell the driver to do anything. Uh, it's a rule to ensure that the driver alone is driving the car. So nothing about, you know, clutch bite points for the start and nothing about pitting for tires. They have Relatively to make that new call. rule, that one as it well. Is. I feel like it's yeah. only three years old or something. Um, yeah, they're allowed, they're allowed contact them in, in only in cases of like safety issues, um, but they're not allowed, yeah, basically talk to them at all. Right, so th- this, though, it, uh, was an outlap for the restart, so I think that is why the teams and drivers could communicate. But in any event, uh, if you do pit from that lap, you have to start the race, uh, restart from the pit lane. On the formation lap, we hear Russell saying on the radio, uh, at this rate, everyone is going to box because the track is drying so fast. Visibly. Like on, yeah. on camera, you could not see. Usually you can see at least like a little bit of a wet line. There was nothing. That track was dry as a bone. Uh, that, that sunlight had been hot all week. Uh, the minute the sun burst through the clouds, like the track just baked. And uh, yeah, it was, it was shocking uh, the rate at which it dried off. Um, and I, I, were you, I was surprised at that moment, Rob, that nobody had risked it considering where we were. Like I, I thought like, oh, Giovinazzi or someone will put on put on a set of regular even before they tire. even left yeah well, because it's it's such an advantage here if you weird. can hadn't he, hadn't Giovinazzi put on slicks right before the start of the race yeah did, did he, go he just enters? not feel did he just not trust them after going through the debris um on lap one well, maybe i don't know yeah. but like it seems like if anyone actually should have been able to go out there um and start advantageously it would have been Giovinazzi. but i i wonder if they're looking at a field that's been so decimated that you're kind of like maybe let's not rock the boat because we might get points this you know what i mean oh yeah i wonder if that was the other side of it also i i'm pretty sure they still can't communicate the drivers can talk to the pit wall and they they talk to them but i still i still think uh, they're not so race fans has a uh, a transcript of this oh. um, of radio communication. We have the Lewis transcript. That's the one I'm curious about here. Yeah, yes. Uh, so th- what happens with all of this is as the cars come around, everyone dives into the pits to change the tires, except Lewis Hamilton. So we get this absolutely crazy image of Lewis Hamilton alone on the starting grid as the lights go on with everyone else starting from the pit lane. Not since the Indianapolis F1 in 2005 have I seen this happen where all the cars go around and suddenly... Well, and that had six cars or something <laughs> on the grid, six, right? And this that, had one. Yeah, I've never seen a lone one. car on a starting grid. No, like never. It was what a. Th- somebody said on Twitter, "Remember this image for a pub quiz ten years from now," because because the standing start stuff is new as well, right? Like we, this would have been a, a rolling start behind a safety car any other year, so we right. wouldn't have seen this. 
Um, if you're curious what would have happened if all the cars had pitted, uh, race director yes. Michael Massey explains it in this quote from race fans, quote, it would have been the usual start procedure. So uh, Christian Birrell, who uh, I guess presses the buttons, would have acted the start lights once the last car was in the pit lane. The start lights would have been activated. Five red lights. Red lights go out. Once the red lights have gone out, the pit exit would open. So we would just start the race from the pit. The worry that I was having was if if Hamilton had pitted, because the pit box orders are in order of the constructor... Uh, points from the previous season which means Williams is at the end of the pit lane and Mercedes is at the front if Hamilton had had a I guess if my worry is that like if he comes in does he get caught behind traffic or if he has a botched pit stop does he not because he needs to wait for all the other cars to pass but they will also need to wait for all the other cars to pass but because he's at the front of the pit lane there's more chance of somebody getting to beat on him you know what I mean? Like so him having like a, a bit of a three seconds penalty maybe and then five boxes up, maybe one of them has a two and they well, and, so and they don't got all file back out. Because of this. Like yes. Mazepin, uh, just to skip uh, like 30 seconds basically, Mazepin doesn't make the restart basically because it is at this point, I think, he is uh, coming down the pit lane and Raikkonen is released into him and it, it breaks his suspension. So yeah, it's like the notion of Hey, like we're in for one thing, I think psychologically P1 is a very hard thing for any of the teams to give up. I think it's unlike right. any other position on the grid. That's, Especially here. Yeah. That starting front box is very hard to uh, sort of look past. Um, and I, yeah, Dan, that's a good point that I didn't really consider. Just the notion of like, hey, he'll be in the clear, like no matter what, this is the uh, the the safer call. Who knows what's going to happen uh, with a pit stop? Um, I don't know. Uh, it's it, it's funny. Um, so Wolf after the race was defending that it was one hundred percent the right call, uh, saying that you know our simulation <laughs> said he would he would drop to sixth, um, but that is obviously not what happened. Like I, I think I was I was shocked by how bad the inners did on one lap pace uh yeah. at this restart it was wild yeah because at this point hamilton starting from the the grid with intermediate tires his only <laughs> chance is to somehow eke out 30 seconds from the rest of the grid so he can pit and not lose as many positions but they're all on dry tires on a dry track and you're on intermediate tires that is not even if you're lewis hamilton that is not going to happen um but yeah just to to reference that transcript of them going back and forth on that formation lap um that i I can link in the show notes it's basically just hamilton saying this corner is dry this corner is dry and then the team just coming back and saying okay uh it'll be a standing start they at no point tell him or even ask should we pit it's right just like yep business as usual I also wonder, did he know he was the only car on the grid? Because he does a defensive move when he gets off the line, <laughs> which I found quite funny. I was like, yeah. does, he, does he realize that he's the only one there? Um, yeah, but the the he, he takes off um, and everyone then piles out of the pits. The, the you're, not, that, you're, not, you're not taking this one away from me, Drew. I'm doing this restart. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah, please. <laughs> Uh, um, Ted, uh, not Ted Kravitz. Um, uh, Crofty 
uh, comes out with the inf- the now uh, immortal words, it lights out and away we go for Lewis Hamilton only. <laughs> um, yeah. Which was great because for folks who are watching on F1 TV as well, we had a very bizarre scenario where for some reason we did not have uh, David Croft and Nico Rosberg, who is in his uh, color commentary seat this time around, for up until the red flag. We were with the pit crew um, commentary team. Um uh, which it's, has oh, the some, pit lane channel yeah which has some great people on it but if uh, at the moment they've had rosanna Tennant doing the main commentary and i think it, that's a bad fit i think she's good for her analysis is really good and her interviews and her color commentary but i she it, i don't think she has the sort of you know you need your your gusto or your sort of like the drama as it were mm-hmm. um so I felt a bit like I had that robbed from me a bit at the start of this race. I watched the the race later again with the other. Um, uh, I mean, Crofty will give you gusto it. no matter what's happening. Exactly, he's got the the energy of a of a Premier League commentator. Where even if you know somebody scores the first goal after being going five down, they'll it'll be as if you know the second coming of Christ and or the weird energy uh, of a drunk uncle uh, at a family <laughs> dinner uh, who just starts speaking. Nico, uh, you and Lewis have been everything to each other except lovers. I think <laughs> um, like Crofty, where we go, like some of the commentary is so bizarre. Uh, this, whole, this whole weekend for commentary is really strange because Nico Rosberg as well. Again, he's a good analyst, but he's not particularly good at doing the, the emotive side of things and and the biggest but problem but i think he's a great I, foil for crofty he, yeah, maybe. he like does not, he like he he sh- <laughs> a couple times in this race he like ma- shoots down crofty's yes. jokes um he's he's just so german it like or just had like a really point, good the lovers comment like he does not say anything after he just lets it hang yeah oh it's so good no i but i agree like he isn't polished the way brundle is uh but at the same time like there was a bit of um, his. So I think the closest analogy uh, on that broadcast team, by the way, I think Karun Chandok is like the Tony Romo of F1. His right. ability to read and analyze what's likely to happen in a situation is is yeah. starting to verge on uncanny uh, because he started making calls early in that race about how things were going to play out. Uh, and then, yeah, Rosberg is just just a lot of fun because he refuses to play the game of just like, he won't speculate. It is so funny that Cro- like Crofty be like, "What well, you know? What would you do in this situation?" Rosberg, well, I'm not in that situation. I couldn't really right. uh, tell you, not being in the car, <laughs> not being uh, knowing the knowing the circumstances. It's great. He's able but to it- read stuff so fast. He's able to like talk about. He's talking about like, oh, Lewis won't be happy with that line, mm-hmm. and when signs spun, and um, he instantly said, "Oh, he must have gotten a gust of wind there." Like he just. Mm-hmm. It was it was remarkable. Rosberg's only problem is he doesn't speak enough. So you had a situation where basically um, Brundle was, uh, or not Brundle, sorry, um, Crofty was, was, that's why he kept asking him direct questions. Because a normal commentator like um, Brundle would, would talk for a while, talk for 20 seconds, fill 30 seconds about something, and Rosberg never did it. So it's like the classic or new commentator thing where they don't want to take up too much space. So Brundle kept having to ask him questions. And so you had these moments where Brundle was talking nonstop for like five, ten minutes because he just wouldn't be interrupted by Rosberg. Anyway, that's that's neither here nor there, I guess. Um, but Hamilton gets away um, uh, on the start. Uh, yeah, makes his little defensive move. And then everyone else follows quickly after. And like you said, it's it's basically uh, a run to the to the next lap. The only thing that happens here that's a little bit weird is that um, we see 
Russell going backwards, like he's had another, you know, he, he came out of the pits in, I think it was fourth. Um, it's second. Yeah, like it made my heart skip it? a beat. Like, oh my God, and George then, Russell's in second place. And then the fear of him, like, oh no, he's had another problem where he's like trundled back down to, I think it was sixth position, but he had basically like illegally overtaken a bunch of cars on the exit of the bit lane because they of course are the final box so they can just drive right out so he just like skipped the line and then was told by race control to hand the places back yeah i um there was a lot of yelling from me in uh in this race (laughs) and that was one of the moments where crofty assumes that he has a puncture and uh if i had been holding anything i would have thrown it um but yes he just he lets people go uh, and gets back in his his normal spot, which I think is eighth behind Alonso. So, but on the on the circuit map that they were playing during that opening lap, you could just see Hamilton was not putting any distance down. He was getting reeled in, like corner yeah. by corner. Uh, the field was catching up to him, and the entire thing started to feel like they had they had seized massive defeat from the jaws of like effortless victory, uh, like. Bottas had had turned in his best performance of the year as a Mercedes driver (laughs) Um, like could not like not planned I'm sure but in terms of like just turns of fortune could not have played out better for Mercedes in a lot of ways Uh, double kill yeah and all they had to do was just not fumble the bag and they did they they screwed up the call uh, that everyone else got right um by by keeping him out there and i think you know mercedes often takes this position of well we you know we like our process therefore we trust our process even if the outcome was bad uh the process was good and we're gonna live with it i think sometimes they're complacent about that and their good results like paper over a lot of that but like this was this seems to me to have been a fuck up and you see the the bill come due when hamilton comes in and you just watched his little card on the uh you know timing and scoring bar on the left hand side of the frame just plummet as the entire field went down and he he went from first to last uh in uh you know in, in the course of that pit stop it was just gutting to watch and knowing that this is not a track that is going to easily yield uh on track overtakes um it was it, it was it was grim yeah but esteban Ocon, in his alpine takes the lead of the race uh and i am still losing my mind at seeing both williams cars in the top 10 with a very real shot at finally getting some points uh, especially considering there are six cars that are out of the race at this point. Um, on lap 10, we get some pretty amazing radio from Russell, referencing his teammate who is running in third place. Uh, if you need to compromise my race to help Nikki, do it. I will box early to avoid the undercut for anyone else. Prioritize Nikki. That is so, some 80s action movie lines. <laughs> I couldn't tell. Part of me thought, oh, that's really nice of him. Part of me thought... Shut! Stop it! Stop trying to like. You're manipulating us, Russell. You're mostly manipulating us here. It's us or people us. making decisions at Mercedes. Yeah, us or people making Mercedes. Yeah, it felt a little bit like. Uh, Look like, at me! I'm a team player. Yeah. Also, huh? he's ahead of you. Shouldn't he be getting priority anyway? Like, well, yeah. I mean, I, I think my 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 guess is Russell is 
preferred driver and preferred strategy at Williams regardless. Yeah. So he was just making clear that wouldn't be Which an issue. Sense. But I did kind of also read it as, on the one hand, genuinely everything I see from Russell impresses me and he seems like a really good driver and a, and a really good kid. On the yeah. other hand, this was like job interview, like just auditioning just a little <laughs> bit too hard. Bit hey, uh, George, what would, you, um, what would you say is your biggest flaw? <laughs> Uh, I just work so maybe I work too hard. Uh, maybe I care too much about I care about my teammates too yeah. much. Um, you know, sometimes I should you know back off and take care of George, but it just never occurs to me. That's kind of like it was very sweet radio. I really do hope it was a hundred percent like genuine and just from the heart. But also, it it did so feel like <laughs> hey, uh, and for anyone else who is listening, just look what a good team player I am. <laughs> you once described George Russell, Rob, as a uh, like a World War II bomber pilot. A, spit, uh, yeah. a Spitfire I can totally pilot, see. I think, is, yeah. yeah. Spitfire pilot, yeah. Uh, and this is very much the, all right, old chap, I'll fly my plane in front of the flak for you. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yeah. I'll be home for supper. <laughs> um, Smash for Stapper. I'll be back for breakfast. Yeah, yes, Max Verstappen, though having dropped down the order from his lap one crash, is running in eleventh place, uh, and because he has all that damage, is finding it very difficult to pass anyone. Um, and on lap fourteen, he comes upon Mick Schumacher, who's in tenth place, uh, and, and puts up a terrific defense. Dude, Honestly, reminding dude. me, oh my god, of like what could we could have had last race had Hamilton not taken Verstappen out. These these guys have been blue flagged <laughs> for years. I mean, Schumacher's only been hasn't been that long, but like half. I was looking at this field, being like, this is not a track you could overtake easy on, and we have Verstappen near the back, and you have Lewis at the back, and not one of them is going to let Lewis or Verstappen pass. They're going to yeah. fight tooth and fucking nail. Dude, Schumacher yeah. was fully in like Gandalf and Moria uh, mode. He <laughs> yeah. was just holding that pass. Uh, lap after lap, like, because it wasn't just Verstappen. Like throughout the race, people are going to be running up on Schumacher and like just hitting the wall, basically, uh, as they <laughs> as they try to hack past him. And but also this this duel did give us a preview of really what the rest of the racing is going to look like on this track for the rest of the day, which is that yeah. the DRS run into one is too short. Um, yeah. Like nobody has the kind of power differential that they can close the deal at turn one. But turn one is actually pretty wide, uh, despite being a sharp turn, and allows some, uh, you know, a few different ways of attacking and a few different uh, entries and exits. And so what Max eventually hits on here is, you know, you get close through turn one and then run outside to set yourself up for turn two and then you just race outside and you go around him uh the the long way and you're gonna have to basically race side by side through through two into three um but that is that is the place where you can do this and but the guy can run you really wide into two and schumacher does and they touch yeah they like verstappen like comes back and like I don't know. They 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 both hit wheels. They 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 both sort of banged wheels uh, and and sort of uh, checked each other uh, as as Verstappen went through, and we would see versions of that pass uh, frequently on Schumacher, uh, but we would see 
like that exact duel repeated throughout the rest of the afternoon. Yeah, and Hamilton is only a few places behind this at this point, watching this all from 13th place. Uh, but lap 20 is where pit stop strategy starts to come into play. Hamilton pits from 11th, having gotten by uh, a few cars um, in, what was that, six laps from then? Um, and he, he, so he's attempting to undercut Verstappen, who is sitting in ninth. Verstappen follows one lap later, and uh, with both of them going from medium to hard tires. But Verstappen, of course, has the disadvantage of all that damage, and Hamilton has uh, a pretty great outlap, if I recall correctly, from the pits. So as Verstappen exits the pits, Hamilton steams by. Uh, not just Verstappen, but Ricardo too, on the outside of turn one. Uh, this was the part that kind of, like, I think it was, uh, it was either Rosberg or Karun calling it immediately that this would set off a chain reaction that was going to reshuffle the field. I kind of did, like, I didn't see that coming because I thought Hamilton was still so deep in no man's land uh, that teams could sort of afford to ignore what he was doing a little bit, uh, especially because he'd been on the radio from the start uh, complaining about like he couldn't close on Giovinazzi, for instance, and uh, only passed him seconds before Giovinazzi would be handed a penalty uh, and forced to move aside anyway. But the other thing is Hamilton, it's, it's interestingly timed because it's lap 20 of 70. Pirelli went into this weekend saying the outer bound of what the hard can do is 50 laps. So Hamilton does at first it's not clear is hamilton also going to try to do this on a one stop uh is he going to make the field uh you know deal deal with that possibility um i think rossberg was quick to call he didn't he didn't see it that way he figured that hamilton was going to go pretty hard on the um on the hearts and uh you know try to extract as much from them as possible but either way it does trigger that reshuffling of the field and he is running clear enough air that you realize like oh that pace advantage like it's the mercedes thing it's happening again right uh it is he is he is out of traffic other people react to his pit stop and he is just gobbling them up because that car in clear air uh is just you know on a heater yeah, and maybe we'll see him, or we will, in, in Rosberg's estimation, see him pit late in the race for the softer medium tires and then do the same thing. Like, yeah, you'll get set back a little bit, but it's Lewis Hamilton with new tires. He's going to devour everyone. I mean, the whole race hinges on that drag race down the front straight as Ricardo and Verstappen are coming out of the pits. And like, if he had not gotten both of them, uh, and it's it's kind of nip and tuck there for a second, because I think Ricardo is like right there at the at the front of the pits. Um, as Hamilton goes around the outside. And uh, I think if he doesn't make that move, Ricardo and Verstappen both end up in a traffic jam uh, for a lot of the day. If Hamilton had been caught up in that, I think the whole day is different. Uh, but instead, he, he, gets, he gets into the clear, um, and they're kind of both driving wounded cars, but they're kind of going to end up being compromised throughout the day. Uh, up ahead at the front of the field, the front runners of Ocon and Vettel decide to run long. Uh, lap 36 is when Vettel pits from second, and Ocon running in first stops on the next lap to cover off the undercut. Uh, and this time it works. Ocon rejoining just ahead of Vettel and retaining the lead. Uh, well, the position. Alonso's technically um, inherits the lead and stays out even longer, eventually coming in on lap 39 and rejoining in fifth behind Hamilton, who has made it up to fourth. So to reset, reset after the pit stops, the top five are Ocon, Vettel, Sainz, 
Hamilton, Alonso. Uh, Hamilton, you know, pitted early, so he may have to stop again, as we said. Um, he eventually does pit his second time on lap 49 and comes out in fifth behind Alonso with the aim of getting past him and potentially his teammate Ocon for the win. Uh, Toto Wolf even tells Hamilton over the radio that he can still win this. So this is what we're talking about. Uh, Hamilton gobbling up everybody. But nobody expects the Spanish defense <laughs> of Fernando Alonso. Uh, or perhaps you do because he's a two-time world champion. Uh, but he puts up an absolutely monumental defense. Uh, really something to watch these two duke it out. And like you said, Rob, the Hungaroring does a lot to neutralize the performance difference between these two cars. Um, and Hamilton seems to throw everything he's got at Alonso. Switchbacks, aggressive outside moves, uh, but Alonso's car just seems to be everywhere. Right at the perfect it, spots to like prevent Hamilton from overtaking. Is it like 14 laps or something? It's it's, it's for a the, lot. It's a long period of time where he just can't do it. A lot and as well, this is where your sort of F1 history comes in a little bit too, because Alonso and Hamilton obviously early, you know, in Hamilton's career, teammates, lots of uh fireworks there. Um we we're sort of chatting on our little uh, uh our little prep meeting yesterday. Rob was saying about how like they sort of you know, buried the hatchet maybe a couple of years back, especially when Alonso was retiring. But like when it came to this day, it was, you know, he was going to make it as wide as possible, especially given the fact that Esteban was on, you know, a chance to become a new first time F1 uh, winner. Yeah. And at the same time, Verstappen's trying to still make up some places of his own, again, quite debilitated by his damage. Uh, but on lap 60, he manages to get around Ricardo with a switchback on turn one and then around the outside of turn two. That good old move. Um, but back at the Hamilton Alonso show on lap 65, Hamilton gets some help when Alonso locks up into turn one. And uh, that opens the door for Hamilton to come through and seal it into turn two. Five laps left. Yes. So he's got to make up like, what, four places, three places, well, something like 10 seconds. And so this is where i wonder if you feel this like signs have cause for complaint here because back on like lap 44 he was and he was calling a lot of strategy from his car like this was called out during the broadcast but yeah back on lap 44 he had said hamilton's gonna stop hamilton is gonna stop soon for uh mediums and he kind of ignored the fact that uh mercedes were doing the radio thing where they were like ah you know the the tires are doing great but but signs basically said here's what mercedes is going to do and it seemed like he was advocating, like, we should maybe be anticipating or reacting to that uh, so that I'm not stuck out here uh, with Hamilton on fresh tires uh, at, the, at the end of the race. Um, and so once Hamilton clears Alonso, Sainz's car has no more pace uh, left on it. He is a sitting duck. You're just watching time get gouged out of him. And I think it's a worse call from Ferrari than it looks because if Alonso hadn't put up this like epic defense for like 12, yeah. 14 laps or whatever, signs would have been passed and looked like, like it would have been such a clear, like showing up. Uh, it would have happened so quickly and easily that I think it would have been very evident that Ferrari had blown the call. Instead, it happens at the end of the race, and it seems like, damn, we almost had him. Uh, but they almost had him because another team uh, basically like held, held Hamilton off for, for ages. Uh, but 
I don't know where the I, I don't know if Sainz had a great gap he could have dropped into. Um, yeah. And with what happens after the race, I'm sure Ferrari are, are still still thrilled with with how it all shook out. But it sure does seem like uh, Sainz had a good sense of both what the dynamics of the race were going to be, and then also what his what his strategy was going to leave him with if they didn't if they didn't do something. Uh, and Ferrari just kind of you know. Played it safe, I guess. Left him out there, and uh, you know, and, and just played defense. Yeah, there is a a big gap, um, big enough for Pierre Gasly to pit and come out in the same spot in sixth place and uh, snag fastest lap. So I maybe if Ferrari had pitted him, Signs would have come out in in sixth place and had to make up some some places. Even with new tires, that's a big ask on the Hungara ring. So yeah, you never know. Um, but yeah, I mean, for most of this race, though, there's another battle happening at the front of the field between Ocon and Vettel for the lead. Vettel gets really close on a number of occasions, uh, well within DRS range. But Esteban Ocon, two years after being edged out of Formula One when Lawrence Stroll took over Force India, comes home to win the Hungarian Grand Prix, fending off the four-time world champion of Sebastian Vettel. Uh, even with only three laps to go, Hamilton managed to get within DRS range of Vettel. Um, again, meaning that Alonso almost certainly held him up long enough to protect Ocon's win. Uh, but the, re- the race continues to be weird as Vettel stops on track and then Ocon does, uh, having overshot the pit lane in his excitement. Yeah. Um, and then they, they build, you get this cool moment where they both have to run back to the pit lane uh, for, for their driver interviews. Um, but yeah, uh, the drama does not end there though, but we will, we'll come back to that for that. I just want to read the result here as they finished Esteban Ocon in first, Sebastian Vettel second, Lewis Hamilton taking the final spot on the podium, Carlos Sainz in fourth, Fernando Alonso in fifth. Then we've got Pierre Gasly, Yuki Tsunoda, Nicholas Latifi, George Russell, <laughs> first points for Williams congratulations George although it is very funny that once again Latifi will has a chance to end higher than him <laughs> um, points. and then Max Verstappen uh, the final points paying position gets one point in 10th place uh, behind him um, Kimi Raikkonen Daniel Ricciardo Mick Schumacher Antonio Giovinazzi and then not classified in this race Nikita Mazepin, Lando Norris, Valtteri Bottas, Sergio Perez, Charles Leclerc, and Lance Stroll. Yeah, we should mention Kimi got a drive through for the, uh, basically, saving us all from Mazepin for this race. Yes. He took one for the team. Uh, and Esteban Ocon's uh, penalty was for speeding in the pit lane. Yes. Um, uh, Esteban Ocon's, he's the 111th race winner of an F1, and... Boy, oh boy, did they set this one up in Drive to Survive Season 1. What a wonderful... Oh, what a great uh, arc. Yeah, it's pretty terrific for him. Very, very and happy for him. They said in the race, the first French driver to win with a French car since Alain Prost. Okay. In the 80s yeah. sometime. Alpine's um, first win, technically, as well. Um, technically, yeah. Yeah, and a track he really likes, actually. Ocon, he's done well here. I think... Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it, it it wasn't given to him either. You know what I mean? Like he he 
led this race and, and he defended. had a multiple world champion you know biting at his ankles and he managed to pull it out so if nothing else it shows the mental fortitude of this kid you know same as Gasly in Italy it was a it's a mental game a lot of this stuff is and both of them uh did it yeah classy drive not so classy Botas and Stroll both handed five place <laughs> grid penalties for the next race uh but that's not the last bit of the stewardship drama drama that went on rob let's talk about sebastian vettel yeah uh so after the race um and there was a little bit of speculation about this on the commentary um but after the race every team is obligated to make sure they have one liter of fuel uh for the fia uh, to conduct sampling and the reason they need a leader is that the set like they basically do three different samples uh sending them to multiple labs uh making sure uh effectively that you're using the fuel that was cleared with the fia before the race um and preventing uh you know any sort of any sort of swaps uh from what the fia knows is in your car this is a Really technical regulation, but it is also a pretty severely enforced one. Uh, if you don't have uh, a liter of fuel, uh, you can be disqualified. This has actually happened before. Uh, Red Bull uh, had a had a car uh, disqualified uh, for for lack of for insufficient fuel, driven by Sebastian Vettel. Uh, as it turns out, this was related to qualifying. Uh, the the idea being they were, they'd send a car out with uh, underfueled, um, and they it caused them to sort of revise uh, some of the rules about how they were conducting testing. Well, after this race, um, they don't apparently they don't always test every car, but they can. It's sort of like it's a bit like with the Waybridge. They can spot check a car at any time, uh, and when cars stop on track uh, during the cool down lap after a race usually that raises a flag that like hey teams might be marginal on fuel and might be trying mm-hmm. to sort of uh you know get j- just keep the car over the the legal limit uh basically now this is actually permitted uh if you, if you stopped on track um but you still have a liter of fuel, they're not going to dis- disqualify you. Uh, they're, they're a little more forgiving about post-race because obviously like the, the margins are different after you know, 50, 60, 70 laps of racing. Uh, you know, they're, they're not going to... It, it's not as big a deal as if your car runs out of fuel after a quality cool-down lap. Uh, anyway, Vettel's car came up short. And uh, was disqualified. Now, Aston Martin has said that fuel has to be in this car. Um, their argument is that there was a fuel pump malfunction that Vettel was dealing with. And that is why the fuel wasn't in the tank. The fuel is somewhere else in the car. Uh, the, 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 the pump moved it somewhere. Uh, and it's not available for the sample. But basically, and this is their argument... The car is impounded at this point. It is being taken back to an FIA lab. Uh, and Aston Martin... It's sloshed around. <laughs> yeah, and Aston Martin are appealing, basically. They're like, let us fit a new fuel pump and let's shake the car until until a liter of fuel falls out of it. Because we know it's in there. Because our fuel estimates say that there should actually be close to two liters in that car. About a liter and a half uh, in, in that car. This was also the argument Red Bull made 
years ago, uh, back when Vettel's car was disqualified in 2012 at Abu Dhabi, they were also convinced that like that fuel should be in the car. It never turned up, uh, the, and so the the disqualification uh, ac- actually stood in that case. Um, Otmar is is pretty sanguine in his statements about like oh you know if, we, if they just let us conduct this review uh, it'll be we we will clearly show that we we meet the legal threshold um, but as of this moment Vettel's car is disqualified uh, for failing that fuel sample uh, check yeah and so everyone behind him was promoted in one place however. The FIA has not closed the door on this. It is all, at least as of when I was looking this up, it is all provisional at the moment. So right now, uh, you know, Lewis is P2, Signs is P3. Uh, but pending that review, that could sort of shuffle the order back uh, to what we saw in the race running order. Um, it's brutal. Like, it's like I'm at this point kind of assuming the appeal is not going to win. Um, I think it is one of those things where you're praying the fuel is in that car somewhere. Uh, but my expectation is this is, this has happened. Uh, and Aston Martin's incredibly good and uh, lucky day in some ways is kind of going to go for naught. Hmm. Them's the rules. It's a killer. Um, it's, it's, it's the worst one. It's yeah. it's like because it's the DQ, like you just yeah. There's no wiggle room, and it's there, not. It right? wasn't well, a little short. They wiggle some gas out. FI only got 300 uh, milliliters uh, out mm. of that car. Um, Safnauer says there should be uh, like 1.7, um, but like it's a big gap uh, that they're going to have to try to Hoover out of that car. Um, <laughs> I hope they do. Like it, it sucks to have that entire yeah. uh, performance like blown away, but yeah. Uh, but what that does mean is that Lewis Hamilton moves into second place and Max Verstappen, the two fighting for the championship, also moves up into ninth, right. uh, resulting in a net gain by Lewis Hamilton of two points. So Red Bull also wishes this did not happen. <laughs> um, but yeah, a, a more uh, final bit of fallout here. Um, you have a nice quote here from from George Russell, Danny. Yeah, say what you want about the, you know, whether or not he was uh, he was milking it a little bit during the race with the Latifi stuff. His emotions after the race were nothing but genuine. Um, there was a great little interview with him in the paddock. You know, uh, right away they sort of have them in that little press pen um, after the race. Uh, and he actually got a little bit emotional just at the idea of finally getting points uh, for Williams I got a pull quote here I probably wouldn't have shed a tear if I won my first race to be honest that's how much it means it means more than I could put into words thinking of the ride we've been through these past three years if you're fighting for something for three years and you finally get it it was an incredible stint on our side of the garage the second stint it was probably the best stint of my whole career keeping Danny Ricardo behind keeping Max uh, behind closing the gap by 20 seconds to the cars ahead it was exceptional I pulled everything I had as I do every single race and I finally came home with something um it was in an earlier little bit of a, a press scrum that he he got a little bit emotional. I think it's on the uh, F1's YouTube channel where they do the you know interview with the drivers right after um, they've uh, they've uh, uh, left the race or after the race is over. So yeah, you know, lo- lovely moment for him. Um, 
it is very funny that Latifi's ahead of him in points again. <laughs> I think there's, there's a hex <laughs> on Russell with Kubica somewhere. Too, right? Kubica ended up like yeah. falling backwards into a point, and Russell uh, didn't. Right? Yeah, it's a it's a funny one. But yeah, it's like it also we we probably won't get to do it this week because we have so much to talk about. But like the 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 conversation between about Russell and Bottas before this race, like I don't know where it stands now because. <laughs> I mean, Russell, I guess, had a, he had a bad qualifying and Bottas had a great week. And then Bottas took out half the field and Russell <laughs> got points. But also, Russell's- Bottas took out half the field. So uh-huh. good job, Valtteri. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah way, <laughs> way better taking- result than a Mercedes win and Hamilton running yes. P3. A way better result uh, for than a Mercedes win is the Red Bull is not scoring any points. Yep. yep. <laughs> or hardly any points. Yeah, one yeah. point. Uh, Russell is in the Mercedes um, this weekend or right now uh, because he is testing the 2022 tires on a Mercedes. So right. make of that what you will. Uh, but man. let's run down the points. It's just here. a key party, man. It's just like everyone's <laughs> in everyone's business. <laughs> uh, Lewis Hamilton on top of the Drivers' Championship currently as we head into the break, having gotten all them points with 195 points to Max Verstappen's 187. Uh, Lando Norris is in third with 113. Valtteri Bottas in fourth with 108. Uh, Sergio Perez has 104. Carlos Sainz has 83 in sixth place. Uh, jumping Charles Leclerc uh, with 80 points. Pierre Gasly also moved up. He and Daniel Ricciardo are tied with 50 points for 8th place. Esteban Ocon, big old jump to 10th with 39 to Ooh. his teammate Fernando Alonso's 38. Sebastian Vettel, uh, having been disqualified, um, remains in 12th place with 30 points. Yuki Sonoda and Lance Stroll are tied for 13th with 18 points. Nicholas Latifi in 15th with 6 points, followed by George Russell with 4. Then we've got Kimi Raikkonen in 17th with 2. Giovinazzi has 1. Then Mick Schumacher and Mazepin, the lone zeros on the field. In team standings, Mercedes is out in front with 303 to Red Bull's 291. Ferrari and McLaren are tied for 3rd place with 163. <clears throat> This is heating up. Uh, Alpine in fifth with 77 points. Alpha Tauri in sixth with 68. Aston Martin's got 48. Williams has 10 points. Alfa Romeo has three. And Haas has zero. What a great way to send us off into the month-long summer break. Yeah, pretty great. That was a lot of fun. That was a really silly... For a race with hardly any overtaking, it was really good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's take it to the news. Um, I did not end up catching the actual podium ceremony. Oh, dude, it was scary as hell. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, tell me about it, Rob. No, I mean, like, so, how, like, every driver seemed out of breath after the race, but it was, like, hot, it was humid, you kind of expect that. But also, I think we're also used to these guys, like, sort of bouncing back really quickly. They're, they're incredible athletes. Um, you know, they... You catch them out of the car; they look completely gassed. Uh, you see them five minutes later; they've they've substantially recovered. Hamilton was having trouble speaking during his interview; uh, he was breathing so hard. Um, and then on the podium ceremony, his body language was just all wrong. Um, he was desperately like uh, like slamming water. Uh, but the thing that really scared the shit out of me was. There's a point where you know they they change their hats uh, on the podium. When he bent down. 
he was just bracing himself and appeared to be holding himself up on those ridiculous giant champagne magnums they have. Like he was like mm. using it as a basically impromptu uh, like crutch to keep from falling over and then got back on his feet. And then during the whole part where they, they spray the champagne, he couldn't shake the bottle. He just stood there like frozen on the third step of the podium, uh, just sort of like rocking it back and forth and not moving. Like it was, he looked bad. Um, he looked unwell. Like it was, it was alarming because it was like it was one of those things where you would see someone. You're seeing someone in distress, and that's kind of how it read. Um, and it appears that indeed he was in distress. Yes, Danny. Uh, what is this article from Autosport? Yeah, so I guess the 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 shakeout from this is that um, there's a couple of quotes which point towards uh, his battle with COVID last year. Um, the quote here, I'm so exhausted afterwards. It was one of the weirdest experiences I've had in the podium, um, uh, said Hamilton, who missed last year's Secure Grand Prix in December due to COVID-19. I had real dizziness and everything got a bit blurry on the podium. I've been fighting all year, really, with health, you know, staying healthy after what happened at the end of last year, and it's still a battle. I haven't spoken to anyone particularly about it, but it's been lingering. I remember the effects of when I had it and training's been different since then. The levels of fatigue that you get is different and it's a real challenge. I will continue to try and train and prepare the best way I can. Maybe it's hydration. I don't know, but it's definitely not had. I've definitely not had that experience. I had something similar at Silverstone, but this is way worse. So yeah, people are speculating whether or not this is the effect of uh, quote-unquote, I guess what we have called, come to known as long COVID, which is the sort of general, it's quite a general vague term because it seems to encompass a lot of different types of kind of post-COVID health repercussions that people may have. Some people think that they have a sort of an underlying um, fatigue or or issue that feels like a sort of low low noise version of COVID. Some people may be suffering from effects that happened to them during their time with COVID. Um, you know, it, it's it's sort of a you know a moving target at the moment with various different levels of um, you know uh, I get you know effects and and whatnot. Um, but that seems to be one of the things that's come out from this is that he might perhaps be still suffering from um, some element of health that was uh, from that. But like he said, he hasn't looked into it himself yet. Um, it clearly hasn't been enough of an issue to him. Uh, it's it's reared its head, it seems, in some in of his intense training and then after what sounds like two races now. Um, so hopefully he'll have it looked at and we can, you know, you can figure out what's going on. Um, but right now we kind of aren't really sure. Yeah, um, that is scary. I uh, I hope he bounces back, um, because that could. I mean, some some long COVID is very long. It's still ongoing for people who've gotten it many many months ago. So it's. I mean, it's the thing where like it's alarming from a couple directions. One, it's like yeah, I hope he's okay. I hope like he's like uh, that it's not going to become like a severe chronic condition. But also, this is a really poorly understood new phenomenon associated with this. Um, and so there's also a part of me that's watching that and it's like Lewis Hamilton, who has like a team of medical professionals sort of surrounding him, like one of the best trained and in shape people uh, you could possibly be. Um, if he's still like being laid out by his uh, bout with COVID, uh, you know, seven months later or, or whatever, like I guess like nine months later now, um, 
that's that's also scary right because <laughs> yeah. it's like wow uh there there there's like no amount of like physical conditioning or training or uh like medical care that could make you immune from those lingering right. uh, effects <laughs> that's also scary as hell yeah at least it only tend it only seems to affect him after he's <laughs> performed a grand prix so at least there's that well, it's not, there, not getting him somebody after mentioned that on the pit lane channel on F1 TV, they were also commenting that like his radio messages during the race before this emerged, they were commenting that his radio messages seemed a little more confused than usual um, mm. about like just state of play. Oh, yeah, he, Do you remember when he thought he was on lap forty four? He thought there was forty four laps. He was like, and then the, yeah, they had to remind him that that's the amount they count down the amount of laps on the pit boards, not telling you the amount of lap, yeah the lap you're on. Yeah, yeah. So it's like one of those things where. Um, as with any sort of like, you know, cognitive issue, a lot that you'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, people like, you know, or have lapses or absent minded suddenly it's like recontextualized and like, is it just that he misread an interface or misread a pit board or is it also like he's struggling to maintain focus? Um, I don't know. Yeah. Scary. Um, speaking of post-race penalties, this actually happened before the race, Danny, some reprimands were issued. Yeah, there was, um, I guess, you know, this, this typical stupid-ass fucking right-wing government stuff, but, like, hung- Hungary passed a law recently, uh, basically, I think it is, uh, I, I should have had this right, I believe it is that they do not want to have LGBTQ plus representation in any programming for people under the age of 18, which seems, yeah, stupid and broad and... and yeah, ridiculous. Um, Sebastian Vettel wore a uh, uh, rainbow-style shirt with same love written on it um, and also had a um, rainbow-colored mask on for, I think, all the weekend. I think every time I saw him in a mask, he was wearing it. He had a rainbow had... on his helmet, too. Oh, he did? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so the issue is that during the We Race As One ceremony at the start of the... Uh, uh, Grand Prix, which I still think they don't televise. Is that right? Or I think some... it's part of the pre-show, but I never watched okay. the pre-show. Right? Yeah, I I it's, never see it's it. It's part the of the pre-show. So it's bad. It is. All right. Okay. It's bad. Okay. Um, but he wore that to that, and this it all comes down to basically like you you can only protest within the limits of the protest uh, <laughs> structure we have created for you where they're gonna, basically the long and short of it is that they're, they're, they're going to wrap him on the knuckles for for not for not being part of that protest because he had this other thing on which is of course absolutely ridiculous and yeah, it sounds like and, yeah it sounds like you're not allowed to wear like the, there's the the we race as one section and then it's followed by the national anthem and you are supposed right. to shed any shirt you're wearing before the national anthem. But, right. uh, there's a, <laughs> let's see. Um, I believe, uh, Sebastian Vettel and, um, three other drivers, Carlos Sainz, Lance Stroll yes. and Valtteri Bottas were also, uh, issued reprimands for the same thing. I haven't seen any pictures of what they were wearing, but, um, they basically said, like, oh, we forgot to take our shirts off for the, the national <laughs> anthem. Um, I don't believe that, especially in Vettel's case, for one second, because to protest a law in Hungary during the Hungarian national anthem is the perfect time to wear yes. 
what he was wearing. So that's the thing about protests is that you don't do them at the time <laughs> where it won't bother anyone. There's yes. no point. That's the whole. That's the whole thing. So. Yeah, so we'll see if anything comes out from that. But I think the most important thing to talk about is that good job, Sebastian Vettel. Last 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 time out, he was picking up garbage, <laughs> doing the trash after Silverstone. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he was like he, building a habitat for bees with bees. kids. Yeah, Seb is just like, Seb has turned into Captain Planet and I'm into it. Oh, he's the best. He's uh, a hero. Speaking of other... Down to zero. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of other uh, big wrecks... Rob. Oh, yeah. yeah, so Ferrari. Uh, Ferrari floated an interesting idea in the wake of uh, the accident that uh, Botas uh, caused, which is basically that there's a lot of the teams, and you, and you heard this, they're concerned about a few things. They're concerned about the engine penalties they're accruing for when you have a big shunt and like gearboxes or engines are damaged and they can't be uh, continue to be used. You don't get like the FIA doesn't like give you a mulligan on that engine. Like you don't get <laughs> like, okay, uh, here's your extra engine because the other one got like destroyed in a wreck. Uh, yeah, you still right. have to like pay, you, you're still limited to three for the season. You still have to like deal with the penalties for if you fit a new one. The other thing is, all the teams are operating under cost caps now, and F1 being F1, nobody's running with a big cushion, right? Uh, There's not a big, like, shit happens budget. Uh, And so every time a car has a big shunt and there's a repair bill that comes in, uh, it is basically screwing up the ways the teams plan to allocate that money. Ferrari, very hot under the collar about uh, this incident that uh, Valtteri caused, basically is arguing that the teams who's like whose drivers cause these accidents where like fault has been found they should be on the hook uh for the repair costs it should come out of their budget uh rather than the team who you know their drivers just a bystander but they're the ones who are, who are stuck with the hook for a bill uh this is his solution to this problem uh he says it's better than if we create a cost cap allowance for repairs uh, so uh, I think this was Bonato saying that obviously if you're not guilty, uh, having such damage in the budget cap is something which is even more of a consequence now. Should we add exemptions? I'm not sure that's the solution. I think it may be very difficult to be policed. But I think what we may consider is that if a driver is faulty, the team of the driver should at least pay at least to the other teams the damages and repairs. That will make the drivers more responsible. Christian Horner is also unsurprisingly on board with this uh, because at this point, like Red Bull just must be stewing uh, that um, not only have they had big shunts uh, that have completely like upended their championship uh, run on, on both fronts, but also his team is now on like they're dealing with the engine penalties. They have now been they're now two races in a row left with major car repair and replacement bills. Uh, and this is a season where they're like, we're already at the limit of the $145 million, uh, budget cap. Um, I think it's an interesting notion, but I am just imagining we've already had the stewards already have a hard job when it comes to like, just trying to, uh, adjudicate what's fair and what's, what's inbounds and what's fair play on the racetrack. I think what Bonato is suggesting is pointing to like 
insurance claim shit uh, <laughs> where you're going to have to have like an insurance investigator come and like diagram the race incident uh, to figure yeah, they out. They have to call the cops. Every time there's a crash, you're going to have to like stop, call the cops. Yeah. And, that- and like, like it, it does make some sense. Like this, this does seem like it is, uh, it, it do, it's, it's a bit shitty with the, with the cost cap issues and the way, the way they're handling it. Uh, but at the same time, like, Sometimes things are like I think the the Hamilton and Verstappen one is the probably the clear one. Valtteri clearly screwed up. He misjudged the breaking point. He caused a mm. a massive uh, pile up. But like you know, last race Hamilton was found to be somewhat at fault, um, but also it was predominantly a racing incident. So to what extent are we going to basically be like handing people the bill? for racing someone uh that seems it, that seems like it is another can of worms uh that'll be that'll be opened but it probably does point to where f1 seems to be heading which is uh how do we make these racing incidents like land fairly uh across the people involved with them uh but i'm just i'm cracking up at the notion of like we already saw Red Bull engage in this embarrassing PR campaign uh, to try to get justice following Silverstone. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just imagining now, uh, like the sheer number of like small claims court bullshit we're going to see from these teams. <laughs> um, and I don't know, maybe maybe that's Netflix's next F1 product is like a Judge Judy style show uh, <laughs> where teams argue about repair bills. Um, Who's the judge? Oh, Who's God. the judge? Cyril. Yes, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Has the expertise, has the personality. Yeah, he can pull that off. Or or just give us an F one version of Return of the Oberdin. (laughs) God, that'd be great. (laughs) Could you imagine like the minute this happens, Ferrari end up like crashing into like signs accidentally like barrels into five cars that they have to pay for you know well that's the thing. It is the most reaping sowing thing I've ever heard. Yes, one hundred percent. Did, speak, you you mentioned this, Rob, but do we just want to dip it? And like, I hate to t- keep bringing up the Silverstone thing, but like, this is just so stupid from from Red Bull. We Dude. we heard that they had been like appealing, okay, the FIA thing, and, and the conversation around this, I must say, did get good. Like Max doesn't want Max did great before the race. He said when the question came from the no, uh, Danny, FIA, he doesn't get the, credit he, for this. This was hours after the stewards were like, we're not reviewing your bullshit evidence to reopen the case. Like you don't get to say, Oh, I'm just so, we, I'm so sick of this media circus. We're done with these fucking questions. Literally like eight hours before they were like, look at this video we found of Alex Albin. at Silverstone. But, that's, but like, but are we, there's the individual and there's the team, right? And like Horner was definitely the one. And I'm not saying Max is like, you know, he had his Instagram post, so he's not, it's not like his hands are completely, you know, uh, out, outside of this particular pie. But I did at least like the idea that he was trying to draw a line in the sand about it. Like at least at that stage, because it could have been a lingering thing like horner want, wanted it it seemed to be a lingering thing even horner seemed to realize that i think the pr battle on this one was going the opposite direction and he should shut up um so at least there was that but i was happy that max was proactive about it and didn't you know i could just think about other drivers in the past where this stuff has gone on and on and on and on and on forever so at least there's that but i hear what you're saying yeah it's i'm also like, i'm also just a little bit like cynical about the whole like 
like the media is everyone's favorite punching bag, but this is right. not like you're not Naomi Osaka who is like dealing with just the stress of like not wanting to do the press conference thing. This is Max being yeah. like, I I don't know why the media made such a big deal out of this. That that's that's true. While yeah, your team is out there being like making a thing of it. Yeah, and and like Drew, you want you want to talk through like what their their attempt to get this re review amounted to? Because I thought it was the dumbest damn thing in the world. Yeah, so they they. <laughs> It wasn't an appeal, but it was like a like, all right, we know you you ruled already on this, but we have further evidence that may convince you to overturn or not to overturn, to impose a harsher penalty on uh, Lewis Hamilton. Here is our evidence. And the evidence is we put Alex Albon in a two year old Red Bull and have had him drive the the same uh, lines through the corners on Silverstone. Just to Alex show Albon you. is an expert at being taken out by Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> that is true. No better God. person in the world. Yeah, it's on yeah. the top of his resume. Yeah, it's <laughs> I, and and, the, and they very unceremoniously stupid. like dismissed it. They were like, "The alleged new evidence is either not new or it is fabricated by Red Bull." It took them a while. It took them like like longer because during the f1 show on friday they were like they've been in there for at least five hours so it's like they haven't dismissed it fast enough so i don't know what they were doing yeah, yeah but it, it's Either so, way, they, it was such a circus it was not warmly received it does not seem and also i think it probably came back around to um red bull pushing this so hard making themselves look a bit ridiculous i think it's also one of those things where Look, in any sport, you can work the refs. But if you make yourself ridiculous, uh, then when they feel they owe you a call, um, at this point, I'm not sure they still feel they owe Red Bull any kind yes. of uh, call. <laughs> because like it was a two-week meltdown uh, from the most senior figures on the team. And thankfully yeah. now we have the summer break and hopefully that's enough time for it to simmer back, you know, to, to, to get off the boil and, and cool down a little bit. I don't know. The repair bills are going to be cut. Like Christian's going to be That's signing true. those invoices for the post-hungry <laughs> repair to those cars. I do think there's something to be said for allowing to, for them to re- have some sort of an allowance for a new engine or a new part. If you know, yeah, because it is there. That I feel bad was for Red Bull. for reliability. It was instituted yeah, right. so that we yes, wouldn't exactly. burn through that many engines in a season. But like, it is different than like, okay, you just ran engines too hot to ekex performance out of them, and they can only like yeah. live a few races. Like, the engines are pretty good now. It's just the car got whipped into the wall, man. Or, or do you spend more of your time, uh, you know, designing an engine shell that is more resistant to? impacts right like you you assume that your suspension is going to take hits from the side and so you account for that in your designs same thing kind of the way i feel about the budget thing i have a a hard time having some weight limits on these cars though i don't think they i don't think they'd be allowed to actually well but i think well no it's interesting take it from somewhere else yeah what what, what you're putting same thing with the budget have a build in a buffer for things like this this is the sport you're in so you're saying if some team wants to be like the um, the reliable tortoise who's like, our engine's going to have a hard shell. It will be slower, but it'll be like indestructible. 
And over time, yeah. we are going to <laughs> gain because we're not going to be eating those penalties. Uh, uh-huh. the, the the little hair with its delicate little legs uh, will be accruing for for like you know care and maintenance on those lighter engines. It's interesting. It's interesting to think the idea of like uh, crash survivability becoming part of the like uh, design spec to, the teams are teams are dealing with. Um, yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, I don't think any team would ever do it because obviously, most of the time you don't crash. I, I think you just not. Yeah, if you, if crash is part of the sport, if it's destruction derby, if crash is part of the sport, then yeah, but it just doesn't happen anywhere near as much. Yeah, you know I mean? we've just had two weeks of Red Bulls getting taken out. Like, ugh, crazy, crazy. Just look at that constructors championship. Like, it's what a difference two races makes. Look at the fantasy standings. How about you can join Jesus, our fantasy good league? Luck. Good luck last week, lads. Yeah, That's, I don't uh, know how anyone anyone <laughs> got got any points last week. You can join it with the link in the show notes. But uh, from Hungary, we have a uh, a lockout of the podium from America. We have in third place Sunoda Tees, a bad team name. It is okay. <laughs> uh, in number two spot, McClairvoyant. Pretty good. Mm. And finally, number one, Stars and Scrubs, all from America. But overall, Beautiful. some familiar names here to, mm, from, this is, yes, Lithuania. <laughs> I always forget. Tutokuko Variotojai. Mm. Okay. Like from it. the U.S., the Real Housewives of Monaco. <laughs> and in number one, from Canada, Ben Van Summer Break. I'm right there with you. Topical. Uh, You can send us an email at shiftf1podcast at gmail.com or go to f1.cool slash emails. Uh, You can also hit us up on Twitter at shiftf1podcast. I am at Drew Scanlon. That is at Danny O'Dwyer and at Rob Zachney. Um, That is us around the internet. Do you want to take us around the world of racing, Danny? Let's race around the world of racing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> DTM is racing this weekend oh. at Circuit Zolder. Zolder. I love to DTM at Zolder. Uh, the World Superbike Championship <laughs> is in... Uh, where is this? Go. It's called go. Autodrome Most. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. An AI most wrote this autodrome. one. <laughs> yes let me uh just uh use Most. the down it's wheel like a town in belgium or uh, holland is it uh it's in ah the czech republic okay there you go the most country um <laughs> we have the camping world trucks at the watkins Glen international raceway for the united rentals 176 uh we also have same racetrack, same day, different time. The NASCAR Xfinity Series for oh okay, <laughs> for the Screwball Peanut Butter Whiskey Two Hundred. Fucking, <laughs> is that four different sponsors or is that one company? <laughs> I'm guessing that it is a peanut butter flavored whiskey made by a company called Screwball with a K. Screwball. 
peanut butter whiskey. When we got that, I still have that beautiful wine bottle from Circuit Demon, which we are definitely going to do an amazing video on this year. We're almost <laughs> out of the COVID mines, and we can hope maybe all three of us will get together. But I've been looking for you know something, something a little bit of a little bit of snacks to have with the uh, with that. So I guess I got to find that some of this uh, screwball whiskey. I'm on the website and it's asking me, are you 21 years old? As a the gif of a sheep getting covered in peanut butter is happening so great there you go uh we've also got moto gp at the red bull ring on sunday the imso weather tech championship is at road america in plymouth wisconsin uh oh it's peanut butter whiskey not whiskey peanut butter sorry i take that back <laughs> uh indycar is in nashville for the music city grand prix is this a road race have they done a road race in nashville before that's cool. Um, the Motocross Grand Prix of Latvia is this weekend. In Riga. <laughs> uh, where is this? Z- Whoa. It's at the Z- Zelta Zirigs Mototrasse <laughs> in Rambates Pagats. Lat- Latvia is crazy. Okay. What prefecture? Oh, okay. <laughs> Latvia's tiny, but I think it's all just one prefecture. Um, I, I, the, the Riga joke was a uh, was a uh, the the I used to, the the Latvian Premier League has like twelve teams and ten of them are from the capital. So. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. We also got Nescar. Uma. Also at the Glen on Sunday. Watkins for the go bowling at the Glen. Oh, a classic. We love go bowling. I hope there's a bowling. Uh, Rink, what what are we calling them? <laughs> yep, that's it. Bowling rink. Love uh, hitting those rinks. Love to strap on my skates and go bowling. <laughs> Absolutely. You know I hope there's like, one at the Glen. Otherwise, this is misleading. You know who I, loves bowling? Valtteri Bottas. Valtteri Bottas. <laughs> <laughs> Spare. Uh, <laughs> so we've been doing this uh, podcast for too long. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we are off the next two weeks uh we ce- celebrating the f1 break as well but as we mentioned we will have uh the w series podcast um that we did the w series 101 that we did for patrons that will be unlocking i believe uh for the following for next week um yes. so stay next tuned week. for that and then and soon after that like within a week of that we will have the speed racer one for patrons so if you become patrons. a patron then you'll get one right away. And also you'll get access to, God, I don't know how many, probably 30, 20 something patron exclusive podcasts. Um, I also will be hopefully visiting Ireland. So I won't be back for the next spa is the next race, but I will be missing that with you gentlemen. So I'm excited to talk to you after that one. That's right. Uh, enjoy the the green rolling hills of the aisle. I will. Of the aisle, I will. Uh, final thoughts, Danny, heading into the break. It's a fun season. It's a fun season, yeah. lads. Janie Mac. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, what a nightmare for Red Bull these past two races have been. Um, gloves are off. Excited to see what what happens. It's yeah. It's not letting up everywhere. There's battles everywhere except at the bottom. Haas can have that. <laughs> Indeed, uh, Ross. Uh, oh. Ross. <laughs> hey guys. About Haas. Hey yeah. guys. And, and Rob. Rob. Final thoughts. Haas. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, this has taken such a fascinating turn in the last couple weeks. Like it was, uh, it does remind me of when Ferrari went on that really 
good run uh, a few years back, and they appeared to have. We didn't know at the time, but like their engine was a little bit illegal. Uh, but they they appeared to have they appeared to be poised to finally uh, break Mercedes at that point. I feel like we were at the same point with uh, Red Bull a few weeks back, where they uh, they they appeared to be poised to completely roll up Mercedes, and largely mm-hmm. through mischance, uh, all of this has been sort of turned on its head. And I am so curious what the like tenor of the championship uh duel is like when we come back from break because we are now in like it's going to be crunch time uh you know from from here possibly until the end of the year uh and so we will see if red bull and max are ready to rise to that Indeed we shall. If you would like to support the show and get access to all of our bonus episodes and the official uh, Shift F1 Discord, you can do so at patreon.com slash Shift F1. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next time. Yeah.